in the service tonight. Would you please take your Bible and go with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 26 this evening. Matthew chapter number 26. And uh, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture here together that I pray the Lord would help us with. Uh, it's a message I believe that if, if God would um, speak to us as I'd ask Him to do, it could make an eternal difference, not just for us, because most of us are already saved, but it can make a difference for others, many others around the world. Matthew chapter 26, if you found the passage and able to stand for the reading of God's Word, I invite you to stand with me, please, here in the 26th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. So good to meet Brother Logan. Sorry I didn't say that, but I appreciate what he's doing and appreciate the Lord using him. What a, what a, what a challenge. I read a little bit about his ministry this afternoon and, and going into countries that probably most of us will never go into and uh, thankful that God's used him where he's placed him. So you're here in Matthew chapter 26. Would you look at verse number 6 with me? Verse number 6. It says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she had poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verse 13 will be our text verse for tonight. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. I want you to read that 13th verse out loud together with me, if you would, please. We'll all read it together. You ready? Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. You know what? Here we are tonight, 2,000 years later, thousands of miles from where she performed this little simple act we're going to look at, and we're still talking about the woman. And Jesus said it. Wherever the gospel's preached, what this woman did will be told as a memorial of her. Let's bow our heads for prayer, would you please? Father, I thank you so much for the Bible. I'm so grateful that I have a copy of the scriptures in my own language and I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that lives in me tonight as a believer and as, as one of your own, you want to help me, you want to instruct me, you want to encourage me, you want to enable me uh, to do all that you would have me to do. And so I pray tonight that you would help us through this passage of scripture 
I pray, Lord, through this woman's example tonight, that you'll speak to my heart, but I ask you not just to speak my heart. I ask you to speak the heart of every hearer that is in this building tonight. I pray, O Spirit, the living God, you would have free course uh, to work in our lives this evening. And, and as a result of our being together, I pray that we will be forever challenged to leave behind us a proper memorial. May you do that work in our lives this evening and we'll thank you, we'll praise you, we'll give you glory for it all for we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Now, now let me just tell you where we are chronologically in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in our text this evening in that last week of his earthly life before his crucifixion. We'll soon celebrate that week together as believers. We often refer to that week as the Passion Week, that week where really all of human history came to its climax. I believe that everything that happened from the first day of creation to the day that Jesus Christ died on the cross was a precursor to that event where God would allow his only begotten son to be crucified, to be slain, to be sacrificed, to become sin for us who knew no sin. I believe that all of history is working up to that hour where Christ himself would become our substitute on the cross. And so we are in that week. We are just a few days before that event. Jesus makes his way down to a little village by the name of Bethany. If you've ever had the privilege of going into the land of Israel, you know that on the east side of the city of Jerusalem is the Kidron Valley, and across the valley is the Garden of Gethsemane, and up there is the, is the Mount of Olives, and, and Bethany's just right over that horizon there. It's a, it's a, it's a village that, that Jesus often made his way to. Honestly, I believe outside of his 12 disciples, maybe his closest friends, uh, on earth during his earthly ministry, lived in that city. As a matter of fact, I believe this woman is one of those, and I'll show that to you from another passage in a moment, but, but it's where Lazarus lived. It's, it's where Mary and Martha, his sisters, lived. It was a place that Jesus often frequented. It was a place where he was often there and, and he loved those people and they loved him. The, the lady, dear lady sang just a few moments ago about Lazarus. He knew uh, he wasn't four days late. He was on time. He heard his, his friend was, was sick. He heard his friend had died, but, but he didn't go until he could raise him from the dead. And we know all of, all of that wonderful story and are grateful for the power of God because it is the power of the resurrection that assures you and I of eternal life in Jesus Christ because the truth is Jesus didn't just come to die. He was buried and he rose again. And uh, I look forward to Easter. Don't you? I love Easter. I, I always enjoy uh, the Easter season. We, we did our Easter launch this past Sunday and, and, and right now uh, a bunch of our people, let's see, yep, right now they're going out and hopefully several hundred of them are going out and giving out invites, inviting folks to our Easter services. And, and, and I'm just excited about, about what God will do through this Easter season of ministry and I love the Easter season but anyway we come back to our text this woman I believe her to be Mary I'll show you that in a moment comes in in a home where maybe 30 40 people 
50, if we want to be extreme, may have gathered. Jesus is sitting at supper, eating, and this woman enters the room, and in her hand is an alabaster box of very precious ointment. We'll talk about that in a moment. She breaks the neck off of that box. She pours that ointment on the body of the Lord Jesus to prepare him for his burial. He stated that very clearly. And then he said that wherever the gospels preach, in the whole world, this that this woman hath done will be told as a memorial of her. Now, now that word memorial is an interesting word. It, it means a permanent monument. And, and as I said a few moments ago, here we are, 2,000 years later, 6,000 miles away from there. And we're going to talk about the woman again tonight. This woman has been preached about, no telling how many thousands and thousands of times. And she's been taught about, she's been talked about. This, this, this passage of scripture has been fulfilled so many times that if you and I tried to count tonight, it'd be impossible for us to do it. But, but the statement is an interesting statement that intrigues me. This that this woman hath done will be told as a memorial of her. You, you know, the truth is, all of us are going to be remembered for something. I know Pastor mentioned a few moments ago that dear man's funeral will be held here on, on Saturday at noon. And I know we don't like to think of our own mortality, but, but the reality is all of us have an appointment with death except the rapture of the church. It's pointing a man wants to die. I'm going to die, you're going to die. We have a dear lady in our church that was diagnosed, may be 18 years ago. She was diagnosed with terminal cancer. They told her she would have less than six months to live. She had 16 different tumors spread without throughout her body, but God, through his wonderful and marvelous grace and a lot of experimental drugs that she submitted herself to, she's still living. And, and I'll never forget when I got the news, the next time I saw her, I, I took her by the hand and I said, I said, Cynthia, I'm so sorry that you, that you have this terminal disease. And she looked at me and she said, Pastor, we're all terminal. I said, well, I reckon that's true. We are. We're all terminal. And this woman... Jesus said, would be remembered for this act. Can I, can I ask you a question tonight? A question I'd like for us to ponder for the next few moments and, and maybe ponder in light of our faith promise commitment. How will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? Will you be remembered as a, as a generous giver or an Ebenezer Scrooge? How will you be remembered? Will you remember, be remembered as a pleasant, kind, loving Christian? Or somebody said, don't get in my way. How will you be remembered? How will I be remembered? That's a, that's, a, that's a powerful question. How's it going to be? Will, 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 will pastor have to try to make up some nice things about you? 
Or will he say, well, man, I got more to say about this dear brother and this dear sister than we got time today. Because all of us are going to be remembered. The question I want us to pose tonight is, how will I be remembered? How will you be remembered? Mary's act of love and devotion was not performed before a large audience. It was not performed in the day of social media. Listen, there was, there, there was no YouTube. There was no Twitter. She had no Facebook account. Nobody was giving a Facebook Live and folks were logging on and saying, oh, look at that, look what Mary's doing. Oh, how about that? That's good, ain't it? She's in a small house, small crowd, and yet she's remembered for this act of love and devotion and sacrifice and worship. I see this passage unfold in three scenes. I want you to see it with me. First of all, I notice the demonstration. Look there at verse number six again. It says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at me. Now they're in Bethany. We've already talked about that little village there on the east side of the city of Jerusalem. What house are they in? They're in the house of Simon the what? Leper. But you know what? He ain't no leper no more. If he'd have been a leper, he'd have been banned outside the city. If he'd have been a leper, he couldn't have come home and seen his family. If he'd have been a leper, he couldn't have had a meal in his house. If he'd have been a leper, he'd have, he'd have been banished, but he's not a leper anymore. I can't tell you and I can't prove this to you. I just have a holy imagination is what I tell the folks at Beacon. And, and sometimes my holy imagination just runs away. I wonder if he was the one out of the ten that Jesus healed. I don't know. But, but he's not a leper anymore. Matter of fact, this is what I think he's doing, Pastor. I, I think he's called these people together because Jesus has healed him from his leprosy. Now, that's not given in the text, but, but I believe he's brought all these people in for this meal because he wants them to meet the one that has not only, not only healed his body, but I believe has saved his soul. And he's using that meal as an evangelistic effort to introduce his family and his friends to Jesus. You know, we, we, we do tend to talk freely when we're eating, don't we? Have you ever noticed that? You, you know, we sit down at the table and we can just chit chat about it. Now, now, a lot of times we talk about stuff that don't really matter anything eternally. <laughs> but, but, but he's wanting them to meet. He's wanting them to meet the Lord Jesus. But, but I tell you what's interesting. Leave a Bible marker right there in Matthew 26. We'll be back here. And as a matter of fact, just leave a Bible marker both these passages because we're going to go back and forth. Go with me to John chapter 12. I want you to see who else is at this meal. Go with me to John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, I believe this same event is explained to us in this parallel passage. And I want you to see it. Look with me in John chapter 12. Look at verse number 2. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. So, so here it is now. They're, they're, they're there at the table, and Simon is the host, and they're in his home, 
And, and, and he's introducing them to Jesus and he tells them about the day that Jesus came by where he was at and said he touched me and he said he made me ever went home. He said my body is healed, my spirit was saved, my sins were forgiven and, and I've just called all you here tonight because I want you to know the Lord Jesus like I know him. And over here on, the, on this end of the table is sitting Lazarus. He said, can I tell you can I tell you my Jesus testimony? He said, uh, I was dead for four days laying in the grave. Because that's in John 11. We're in John 12. I was dead four days laying in the grave. Jesus came out there where I was. They, he told him to move the stone back. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he said, Jesus made me ever what I am today. Can you imagine? Now, now, John chapter 12 and verse 2 says that Martha serves. And, and if you're familiar at all with Mary and Martha, the sisters, that's, that's her normal routine. Another glimpse we have into that is Luke chapter 10. So it makes me wonder, what's Martha's relationship to Simon? Could, could, could Simon have been Mary and Martha and Lazarus' dad? Or could Simon have been Martha's husband? That would seem to me why she could have been in the kitchen cooking. But, but you're in John chapter 12, look at verse three. It says, then took Mary, Martha and Lazarus' sister, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. There, there. Jesus is being introduced to the friends and the family of Simon the leper or the man who used to be the leper. And Mary comes in and, and Matthew 26 says it was an alabaster box, a very precious ointment. John 12 says that ointment was spikenard. Spikenard ointment was an ointment that was red in color that grew in what you and I today would know as India on our continent. Spikenard had a very particular purpose in the day of Jesus. That particular purpose in the day of Jesus, it was used to anoint the dead bodies of people. It, it was an ointment that was very precious. As a matter of fact, John chapter 12 says it was a very costly ointment. A very costly ointment. Ointment. I, I, let me show you how, how costly it is. You're in John 12. Look at verse 5. We'll come back to the, 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 to the reason for the question in a moment. But look at verse 5. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now, what, what does that mean? Well, a pence or denarius was a one day's wages. Okay? So the statement that's made or the question that's asked in verse 5 of John 12 is, why was not this sold for 300 pence? So what's 300 pence? That's 300 days wages. Well, well how much is 300 days wages? 300 days wages is basically a year's salary. Wouldn't you agree? I, I mean, if we work 300 days in a year, that's a year's worth of working, right? In 52 weeks, 365 days in the calendar. In those days, they had 360 in their day probably. But, but listen to me. She took what she had paid a whole year's wages for and used it to show her love for Jesus. 
Now, I don't know how much you make a year. You know how much you make a year. That's how much she spent in her economy. If she were living today, she'd take a year's wages. I don't know what the average wage in Bumpkin and Henderson County is. It's probably somewhere in the thirty dollars to $40,000 range, I would think, would be median income in the county. That, that's what she spent. So, so you understand that this is not something she did flippantly. This was not just some careless reaction. As a matter of fact, what I believe, Pastor Philip, I, I believe she has bought this for her own burial. And to show you how, how precious Jesus was to her, she didn't bring it out when her brother died in John 11. He, he, may, have been, he may have been the nearest human being to her in her life, and he didn't bring, she didn't bring it out to anoint Lazarus' body. She was saving this for her own body. But when she understood that Jesus was about to die, she said, you know what? I want him to know how much I love him. I want him to know what he means to me. See, see, this act of worship, this act of sacrifice, this act of devotion, this act of love was a declaration from Mary to Jesus. Lord, I love you more than I love anyone. Lord, I love you more than I love anything. She gave it. Jesus didn't require it of her. You, you, you understand that this faith promise commitment that you're going to make tonight or sometime... You understand, Jesus not standing over you tonight like a bully with a baseball bat and saying, now you better fill this out. No, no, this is above the tithe I give the Lord every week. This is above, for me, it's above the offerings I give to our building fund every week week we still have about a 1.3 million dollar debt on our building and it's above what I give to a restore project that we're trying to restore an old auditorium in our building and, and, and but but every week every week my wife and I give above all of that because of our love I'm not trying to repay the Lord I couldn't It'd be impossible for me to ever repay the Lord for what he's done for me. I I couldn't repay him for for one ounce of forgiveness. Nevertheless, an eternity full of forgiveness. But you know what Mary's doing? Mary is demonstrating her love. She's wanting Jesus to know and understand how much he means to her. No wonder, Jesus said, wherever this gospel is preached in all the world, what this woman's done will be told as a memorial of her. So, so number one, I want you to see the demonstration. Number two, go back with me to Matthew 26, but leave something there in John 12 because we'll be back in just a second. Go, go back to Matthew 26. I want you to see the second, second section of this story, the second scene that unfolds before us. It's the discouragement Look at it. You're there, Matthew 26. Look at it. It says, but when the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw it. Is that what it says in your Bible? Huh? I'm in, I'm in, verse, I'm in verse 8. I'm sorry, did I say the wrong verse? Verse 8. But when the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw it, is that what it says in your Bible? No. no. If it did, you know what? Brother Kenny, I could understand. 
Because you know why? The Pharisees and the Sadducees hated Jesus. As a matter of fact, you're there in Matthew chapter 26. Just look up a little earlier in that chapter, verse 3, then assembled all the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people under the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. They're planning his murder. If verse 8 said when the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw it, I'd understand it. Or maybe if it said, but when the chief priest and the elders saw it. But that's not what it says, is it? It says there in verse 8, when his, what's that next word? Disciples. Disciples. When his disciples. Do you understand sometimes the discouragement comes from a crowd you never expected to come from? When his disciples saw it, look at it. Keep reading with me. We're in Matthew 26, 8. They had indignation. You know what word indignation means? It means to be very angry, to be very displeased. It's a a pictorial word. The Greek language the New Testament was written in is a very pictorial language. You you know what the word indignation was used in that common common vernacular in that day? It it was used to refer to the snorting of a horse. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) I snorted too hard. It was used to to talk about a horse snorting. When his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, now notice what they said. Please don't miss it. We're in verse eight of Matthew 26. To what purpose is this? What's that last word? Waste. Waste. What Mary saw as worship, they saw as waste. You remember, she's just spent a year's wages on this, on this spikenard ointment. She has put aside this spikenard ointment for her own burial and now she brings it out to anoint the body of Jesus because she wants Jesus to know how much she loves him, what he means to her, how she's willing to give her all to him. And the disciple says, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment, verse nine, might have been sold for much. And given to the poor. That brings us back to that 300 pence question. Go back to John 12, would you please? John 12. Look at verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples. Isn't that interesting? That's not what we read over here in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, his disciples saw it. And they said... But, but, but here, in, here in John chapter 12 and verse 4 it says, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? You say, well, pastor, how do you reconcile Matthew 26 and John chapter 12? I'll tell you how I reconcile it. Every criticism has a source. So, so, They said it, but it started with Judas. See, Judas went over to to Philip and he said, Philip, I wonder why they didn't sell that and give that to the poor. Philip said, you know, I don't know that. He said, Bartholomew, why didn't they sell that and give the poor? He said, I don't don't know. He said, now Thaddeus, why didn't they sell that and give it to the poor? And I I don't know. He he said, "Uh, uh, Andrew, why didn't they sell that and give that to the poor? And he said, I don't know. He said, now Peter, why didn't they sell that and give that to the poor? I don't know. 
See, see, you, need, you and I need to understand that, that every criticism that's ever been made has a source. And sometimes, listen to me, it isn't made because of what they say it's made for. Now, that, that, that criticism sounds pretty spiritual. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? That sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? But, but you know what the Holy Ghost did? The Holy Ghost told John, I want you to give him the real reason. You're in John chapter 12. Here's the real reason. Verse six, this he said, talking about Judas, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Listen to me. Judas was the treasurer. And all he could see was dollars and cents. Now listen to me. You and I know who Judas is. He's the betrayer. But I'm telling you, Judas was a pretty good actor. They elected him treasurer. What are you saying, Pastor Ray? That's what I'm saying. The next time you hear somebody being critical about something at the church, you better look beyond what they say to the reason why they said it. You know what I found, Pastor? I've been at the same place 41 years, okay? So I've been there a long time. We've grown old together. Some of us and some of us have grown older, Okay. You know what I found? I found that people at church that talk about, the, talk about money the most are people that don't give any. Let me just get something. All right, we'll get that plant right there. <clears throat> I don't know what day that plant was put up here, but that day was, well, let's, let's use that stone wall because you just did that stone wall. Didn't you tell me that's, that's okay, all right. So, so the first day you walked in and the stone wall was there, Somebody may say, I don't know that anybody, did. preacher hadn't told me this now. I'm not, you, know, don't, you say, well, I bet you sure did. No, he didn't. Okay. Somebody walked in and said, huh, I wonder how much money they spent on that stone wall. Couldn't we baptize people when it's just sheet rock? Why is it in the world that we have to spend all that money on that stone wall? That is, that's, just a, that's just a waste of money. We probably could have supported a missionary with that. You say, really? Yeah, really. I've been in church all, all my life. <laughs> you know what? But if they wanted, if they wanted a if they wanted a thousand dollar set of drapes, they'd buy them for their house. If they wanted a stone wall, make them a fountain out in their front yard, they'd spend twenty five hundred dollars to get it built. Hello, phone's ringing. You might need to pick it up. Okay, hold on. You know what I decided a long time ago? I decided God's house ought to look better than my house. Listen to me. When you hear somebody criticize, you better always think about why they're saying. Because listen, Judas's, Judas's motivation wasn't poor people. He, he could care less about poor people. He cared about what was in the bag because he bare the bag. But I'll tell you what happened. All of those other 11 men, they got in on it. And they're standing over there. Here she is. She's worshiping Jesus. 
She's taking this ointment and pouring on his head. And, and listen to me. You say, well, it says there she poured it on his feet. Well, let me tell you what you did in that day. In that day, you didn't sit at the table. I hope this don't destroy all your images. <clears throat> but in that day, you didn't sit at the table like you and I sit at the table to eat a meal. So the next time you look at the Last Supper picture, that's a nice picture, but it has no, no, no connection with reality. Nobody sat in a chair to eat a meal in those days. I'll tell you what they did. They laid down and reclined by the table. Now, now just think about that a moment. I know we think as Americans we're the smartest people on the planet, but, but I'm telling you, that's brilliant. Who wouldn't like to rest and eat at the same time? I mean, I'm, I'm just, just think about it, man. Just think about it. So if you was right-handed, you, you leaned on your left elbow, you had your right, and they, sorry, they didn't use forks and knives. So if that's in the Last Supper either, you just get rid of that too. They used their hand and they ate. So, so this is what I believe Jesus, what, what Mary did to Jesus. She poured it on his head and it, and it went all the way down his body. And when it got to his feet, because it was her love gift, her worship gift, her sacrificial gift to Jesus, she didn't want one drop of it to hit the floor. And when it got to his feet, she took her hair and she wiped it on his feet to make sure he got everything she gave him. Now, she's there worshiping Jesus. I did. Back on. We live. <laughs> you just want me to do that again, didn't you? Because I caught so bad while ago. Why all this waste? Why all this waste? Can I just tell you that anything you do for God is never a waste? I know all of us all of us can't give the same amount on this on this card. I know that. I understand that. But every dime I give to worldwide missions through the ministry of Beacon Baptist Church and those 175, 80 missionaries we support every month, every dime I give has eternal dividends. So you see the demonstration. You, you see the discouragement. I want you to see the third part. The defense. Go, go back to Matthew 26 with me just a moment. The defense. It's interesting here in verse 10. I love this verse. Look at it with me. It says, when Jesus understood it. Can, can I tell you? First of all, what that doesn't mean, and then I'll tell you what it does, does mean. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden it dawned on Jesus what was happening. It, it, when it says when Jesus, it doesn't mean all of a sudden Jesus said, oh, look at there, they're, they're giving her a hard time. What does it mean then? I believe it means that when Jesus understood that she had taken all of the discouragement that she could take, he stepped in. And he comes to her defense. I want you to see the wording. You're there in Matthew 26. I want you to see the wording. Notice it with me. 
Verse number 10. Why trouble ye the woman? The, the word trouble there indicates that their words were so harsh and cruel that they have brought Mary to tears. You remember, she's worshiping Jesus. She's adoring Jesus. She's showing her love for Jesus. They're over here criticizing her for doing it. And when Jesus understood it, he said, why trouble ye the woman? Now notice his statement at the end of verse 10. For she hath wrought a good work upon me. The word that's translated good in our King James Bible is the Greek word from which we get the English word beautiful. Isn't that a contrast? The disciples have already called her worship waste and now Jesus says it wasn't a waste, it wasn't wasteful, it was beautiful. Now I don't know about you, but if I've got to choose between having uh, the criticism of man and the applause of God, I'll take the applause of God every time. (laughs) She hath wrought a good work upon me. Notice it, keep reading. For verse 11, ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean, then I'll tell you what that does mean. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care for the poor. I'm telling you, a casual reading of the Bible, a casual reading would convince you that God has a special place in his heart for poor people. I mean, you, you go to the Old Testament. When he told them how to reap their crops, he told them not to reap in the corners, but to leave the corners so that the poor could come and get a harvest. You, you go to the New Testament, and, and some of John's in prison. He's pretty discouraged. He sends two of his disciples over to ask Jesus, are you the one we were to look for, the Messiah, or is there another? And I'm not mad about John because Jesus said he's the greatest man ever born of woman. <laughs> so so he, John's just discouraged. You, you're the one? You know what Jesus told those two men to go tell John? He said, you go back and tell John that the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the dead have been raised to life, listen to me, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, now I'm, I'm just telling you, this is what I honestly believe. I honestly believe that if you and I will take care of the poor people, God will take care of us. We, we have run buses at Beacon Baptist Church 49 years. God, live, God willing, next year will be our 50th anniversary of running buses. Picking up boys and girls, bringing them to Sunday school, moms and dads. Uh, the, the chairman of our deacons right now, his wife, was riding a Sunday school bus when I came on staff in 1981. We, we have constantly gone after poor people in our area. We go to the inner city. We go to some pretty rough places. But you know what? I believe God sends us people with money because we're still going after poor people. I believe God sends us some folks who get, because listen, those kids have never even paid for the gas, much less at three, well, it's diesel, most of it's diesel, so $712 a gallon now, whatever it is. You can get eggs for $7 a dozen. Or, anyway, they came down last week, praise God. 
So Jesus is not saying, don't worry about poor people. When he says, you have the poor, we always meet. This is, this is the emphasis. The emphasis is on the latter part of that, of that, of that statement. Me, ye have not always. Th- this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Mary has come to understand that I'm about to die. And she has seized the opportunity. She has taken the opportunity she has been given to let me know how much she loves me. Can I just say to all of us, we don't know how many opportunities we're going to have. Life is uncertain at best. Death is sure. Christ is coming. And if you and I are going to let the Lord know how much we love him, hey, for all I know, this could be the last faith promise commitment you ever made. Mine back in September could be the last one I've ever, I ever make on this, on this planet. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered as somebody who was willing to invest my finances in the work of God around the planet. This woman hath done what? That's, I love that statement. Look at it. It's, it's right there. In that she had poured it on, on, on uh, for in that she had poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. She did it for my burial. It's not there. It's Mark 8, uh, 14, 8. It says she had done what she could. One of the commentators I love to read after, I love to read after John Phillips. I just enjoy Brother Phillips, and he's in heaven now. I was able to go to his funeral. His funeral was at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, and I was privileged to be there that day. And um, and he's just a great Bible commentator. And in his commentary on Mark, uh, he notes that this Mary, Mary of Bethany, was not at the crucifixion he, he said you, you you have Mary Magdalene you have Mary the mother of Jesus but but this Mary's not there and, and this is what brother Phillips surmises and I agree with this with his surmising he says she didn't have to go to the crucifixion she'd already let him know in Bethany what he meant to her wow She had taken the opportunity that was given her to let her, let the Lord know what he meant to her. She hath hath done what she could. She hath wrought a good work upon me and that she poured this, she poured it for my burial. How, How did Mary know that? Let me tell you how she knew it. She is listening. You and I know, if, you, if you're familiar at all with the gospel accounts of the life of the Lord Jesus, you know that those 12 disciples didn't even realize. And he told them at least four times in the gospel, he told them the Son of Man's going to be, be betrayed, the Son of Man's going to be crucified, the Son of Man's going to be buried, and the Son of Man's going to rise again from the dead. And every time, they weren't listening. But not Mary. As a matter of fact, you know where you find Mary? There are three main places you find her in the New Testament. I, I mentioned a moment ago, Luke chapter 10, Martha's cumbered about much, much serving. What's Mary doing? She's sitting down at his feet listening to Jesus. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said Mary had chosen that good part. I'm just telling you what she said, what he said. 
You, you, you go to John chapter 11, when, when Lazarus is raised from the dead, uh, he's not been yet raised from the dead, but when he's dead and Jesus comes to town, well, you, know what, you know what Mary did? Mary ran out and fell down at his feet to listen to him. You know where she's at right here? She's right there at his feet listening. You, you, you understand you can be here, H-E-R-E, and not here, H-E-A-R? I wonder how many of us are guilty of that. I, I really do. I, I mean, I preach to the same people week after week, and I don't tell them, okay? So, Will, if you go back and repeat any of this, I'm going to deny it. I'll say, you know, Will, he, he just don't tell the truth. He goes to stay. So, <laughs> but you know what? I preach to the same people week after week. But you know what? If, if, if sometimes I depended on some of them, I'd quit. I mean, some of them bow their head and close their eyes just as soon as I start. I, you know, it ain't time to pray. I'm going to preach. I have people in my congregation, they don't even know who they are. But, but they're, 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 my, they're my people I read. And when I come into a place like this, I have to kind of figure out who, who's, who can I read. Because I like, I like feedback while I'm preaching. I like to, I like to know, is this making sense? Is it, I, they, 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 eight or ten people in my church, if the light bulb doesn't come on while I'm preaching something, I, I just pray real quick to the Holy Spirit, help me, Lord, give me another illustration, give me a better explanation. But no, you wouldn't have to do that for Mary. She's listening. She's listening. So what does Jesus say? Look at it again. We'll, we're about through. Look at it again, verse 13. Matter of fact, would you read verse 13 out loud together with me again? I know we've already read it, but read it one more time. Would you do that, please? Here we go. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Why would Jesus say that? Because I believe that from that day, and I think that day is Tuesday of the Passion Week, I think from that day till crucifixion day, everywhere Jesus went, he could smell the spikenard. This is what I believe. She poured it on his head. It ran down his body. She wiped his feet with her hair. And I believe that that spikenard ointment went inside the pores of his skin. And I believe that that night when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and his sweat became as great drops of blood, I believe if you'd have been anywhere near him, you'd have went, I think I, I, think I smell some spikenard. I believe that when he was carried to Caiaphas' house and when he was beaten and when he was, was carried before Pilate and Herod back to Pilate and he was, he was flogged and scourged, I, I, believe, I believe the Roman soldiers around his body said, I think I smell some, it smells like Spikner, doesn't it? I believe as that cross was laid on his back and he made his way down the Via Della Rosa walking toward, Gets uh, toward Golgotha just on the outskirts of the Damascus Gate there in Jerusalem. And as he was, his, nail, his hands were nailed to the cross and his feet were nailed to the cross. Now, I believe the fellows who drove the nails in his hands and his feet, I, I believe some of them said, that, that smells like, that smells like spikenard. 
I believe as Jesus hung there on the cross, hanging between heaven and earth for you and for me, with every breath he took, he smelled it. And he thought, there's a woman in Bethany and she loves me. There's a woman in Bethany and she gave me everything she had. There's a woman in Bethany. You didn't die on the cross by bleeding to death. You died by suffocation. That's the reason they came by and it was near the preparation day and they came by and they broke the legs of the other two criminals but they didn't break Jesus' leg because he said no man gave me my life no man will take it from me but, but, but what happened is your body would, 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 would just your legs would weary and, and you'd fall and when you'd fall you'd breathe shallow like that like you wasn't going to get your breath and then you'd go back up on your arms and your legs and you'd hold yourself up and try to breathe deeper but with every breath whether it was a long breath or a short He thought, there's a woman in Bethany and she loves me. And with his last breath and his last heartbeat in his physical body, he remembered that woman. Can I ask you a question? I ask me the question, how will you be remembered? How will I be remembered? Will you be remembered? Because you gave. And you gave your best. And you gave your all. 